When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to episode number four of the TIFO Talks podcast. That's right, a podcast mini-series in which John McKenzie talks to whoever he wants. Uh, Who are you doing this week, John? Well, I'm talking to you right now, Joe. That is true, but who are you talking to in the bulk of this episode? In the bulk of this episode, I'm talking to Justin Kraft, who is a Bayern expert from Germany. Bayern München. Bayern München, indeed, yes. Very exciting. Bayern Munich for the uninitiated. (laughs) Yes. And what do you talk about? We talk about basically the Julian Nagelsmann era. Um, We situate it within the context of like the last decade. So we start with Pep Guardiola and talk through some of the managerial decisions they've made. But then we spend a lot of time looking at last season when Julian Nagelsmann played the sort of football we expect elite managers to play and then focused a little bit more on this season where he started playing a very different play style. Mm. And when did you record it versus when does it go out? Is there a gap? Because I know Bayern beat, uh, who did they beat over the weekend? Uh, they beat oh, it was Freiburg. It was your team, wasn't it? <laughs> yes. They beat them 5-0, was it? It was 5-0. Yeah, and you recorded this before that happened. Yeah, we So recorded- if you're sounding extra bullish during the episode, <laughs> it's because your team hadn't been bested so badly by that point. That's right, yeah. We recorded this episode after the Leverkusen win. They, they, they beat Leverkusen, mm. a very good side, 4-0 as well. So mm. As opposed um, to Freiburg, a very bad side. <laughs> no, just trying to situate Freiburg amongst the very good sides sure, in Germany sure. that lose to Bayern Munich. Okay, yeah. well, a couple of big wins on the bounce, and uh, mm. we've recorded uh, this episode. Uh, did you enjoy it? Yes, I always enjoy talking about Bayern Munich. What should listeners look out for specifically? In the recording? Yeah. Or in Bayern? Is there a special moment that you enjoyed the most? Uh, well, without further ado, <laughs> let's, uh, let's turn things over to Justin. Welcome to TIFO Talks, a podcast on the TIFO Football Podcast Network. I'm John McKenzie and I'm joined today by Justin Kraft. Justin, thank you for coming on. Nice to be here. Thank you for the invite. Justin is a freelance journalist from Germany covering both the men's and women's game. His focus is on FC Bayern and the Bundesliga as a whole. And he writes for SPOX and Goal, amongst other places. He also has a podcast about FC Bayern at miasanroth.de. So obviously we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about Bayern Munich over the last couple of seasons, particularly the Julian Nagelsmann era. But I would like to situate the discussion in the broader context of Bayern Munich over the last decade or so. And that decade is a nice period to look at because that is the period over which Bayern have won every edition of the Bundesliga. So... Justin, let's begin with who else than Pep Guardiola, because Guardiola's three seasons at the club feel like the benchmark when it comes to Bayern's future performance over that time. So to what extent would you say that Guardiola formed the club's expectations, especially with respect to the tactical aspects of the game? 
I don't think that Pep Guardiola was was the beginning of an evolution, but he was for sure uh, the one who brought Bayern to the highest level within their tactical development. Um, Luis van Gaal was the coach, I think, uh, who changed Bayern completely. He implemented a new style of play, a new philosophy. Um, some would say the first uh, strategical philosophy ever at Bayern. And Guardiola understood it perfectly to develop himself, the team and uh, the philosophy as a whole, nearly to the maximum. I think uh, on the semifinals against Atletico Madrid in 2016, um, they were awesome. Uh, yeah, Bayern lost and didn't reach uh, the final, but it's hard to understand uh, why it came that way. Um, it was the best football um, I ever saw from a Bayern team. Um, it was amazing to see how Bayern tore apart uh, the best defense in the world uh, with something like, I think, a 50 or 60 shots in, in two matches. Um, they didn't score enough, that's true. Um, that's why they lost. Uh, but from a tactical view, um, it was nearly perfect football. Amazing. Um, I was uh, a bit sad that uh, for Guardiola that he didn't reach the final uh, because I was sure that this is going to be his season, Bayern season, with all the this, uh, superficial criticism around him. Uh, he would have deserved that, I think. Um, yeah, but that's football. I'm actually interested in how the fans look back on that period because I guess it must be hard for a club to recover from having a coach as good as Pep Guardiola. So do you think the fans look back at that period with a level of dissatisfaction because they're always hearkening back to those times and whenever it isn't as good as it was under Pep Guardiola, there is that level of displeasure because they can't be at that point again? Mm, I don't think so. Uh, so yes, um, regarding to the to the Champions League, um, it's a bit sad that he uh, didn't didn't got that uh, cup. But the time was amazing. It was great football. It was really, really amazing to watch uh, the team in, in the development. I think uh, every year Guardiola um, adapted something to reach the best form. And in 2016, I really had the feeling that, that it will work out, that, that Bayern will win the treble again. As I said, uh, they didn't score enough goals against Atletico Madrid, but uh, yeah, this match, those matches were, were amazing. And I think um, many Bayern fans watch back to that uh, with a very good feeling because uh, that football was just attractive and also uh, very successful. Interestingly enough, from that period onwards, there is a slew of managers who you might not think of as being particularly theoretical or tactical managers. So we're thinking... Managers like Carlo Ancelotti, we have Willie Sagnol there for a little while, Jupp Henkers comes back, Niko Kovac doesn't have a particularly inspiring period at the club. So why do you think that the club went back to these sorts of coaches after having had the high priest of the theoretical tactical managers in Pep Guardiola? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that Guardiola uh, demands a lot of his players. So uh, physical, but especially uh, on a mental level, um, he's obsessed. Um, I mean that in the in the most positive way. Many people are pointing that out in a positive way, rightly so. But I can imagine that not everyone, and especially not every player, is in love with that type of coach. Um, just look at Ibrahimovic at Barcelona. I could also imagine Frank Ribéry um, not being happy with the coach that is trying to teach him in, in such an intense way. And according to my information, uh, Bayern felt it was time to sign a coach who would challenge the players 
a little bit less. Um, it worked in a in a positive way after Van Gaal with Heinkes, but it didn't work out with, with Ancelotti. In my opinion, the difference between the positive, obsessed Guardiola and the more relaxed style um, of the Italian uh, was too big. So uh, the individual and also the tactical level of the players and, and the team was dropping very fast. And that's why Ancelotti lost uh, the dressing room in the end. So yeah, maybe the difference was the big reason. This brings us to Hansi Flick, who I think is the first manager who moves by and back to that more tactical, theoretical footing. Hansi Flick is the assistant manager under Niko Kovac, and when Niko Kovac has moved on, Hansi Flick is brought in. Do you think this was luck on the part of Bayern, or do you think it was a stroke of genius? Yeah, I don't think that it was just luck, but also a clever and foresighted decision by Bayern in the in the summer. Um, yes, they won two titles under Kovac, but they knew that it wasn't the tactical development they wished for. So uh, the loss against Liverpool showed that Bayern uh, was far away from the best European clubs. Uh, so yeah, they decided to hire Flick in the summer as an assistant coach because they couldn't sack Kovac after after two titles. Um, in a good scenario, uh, Kovac would step up his coaching game with Flick as an assistant. In a not so good scenario, they still had Flick as an option to take over. Yeah, The last one happened uh, and the rest his history flick was a perfect coach for for a difficult time i think to be honest i don't think that he would have been successful over many years but his fearless style was spectacular and uh, the best that bayern could happen in in times of COVID. i think so this brings us to the present day and the julian nagelsmann era julian nagelsmann is obviously quite a prominent coach in germany at the point that he comes to bayern having worked at hoffenheim and abby leipzig I'm interested in what your opinion of Julian Nagelsmann was at that point at which he joined Bayern. Yeah, um, my first thought was uh, that it maybe is even the best uh, for Bayern to get that young coach who already showed what he can do at Leipzig and, and Hoffenheim. Uh, Nagelsmann has the abilities to develop a team over years. Um, I don't know if Flick could have adapted to the things that didn't work out in his second season at Bayern, especially in, in defense. Uh, there was no real development. At first, I thought that Nagelsmann is the best possible successor for Flick. And I still think that despite some problems uh, in his first year and also now. And how did you feel about bringing in a coach who, regardless of his reputation, and his reputation was obviously high, but he was a coach who had been brought through the Red Bull finishing school. And I think that's very different to the sorts of coaches that you might have expected at Bayern. We've already talked about those two very different classes of coaches, the tactical theoretical coaches, and then the man management oriented coaches. So how did you feel about the Red Bull aspect of Nagelsmann's background, given the controversial elements of, of the Red Bull approach to football anyway in Germany, but also from the point of view of the, the tactical approach that you have there as well. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. If we think back to, to Guardiola's Barcelona and Klopp's Borussia Dortmund, uh, then we could see two dominating types of football, possession-based and uh, the so-called gegenpressing uh, football, so counter-pressing um, of uh, the normal one. But would you say that the differences between Klopp and Guardiola today are as big as they were 10 years ago? Um, I think in football, there is always a process of, of adjustment. Uh, great coaches understand it very well to adapt to the development in international football. Uh, for sure, the, the biggest difference is still there. Um, Guardiola's and Klopp's philosophies didn't change completely, but both uh, took some elements from each other to, to bring their own game to the next level. And that's why I don't 
don't think that it is a general problem uh, that a coach with uh, RB history is taking over at Bayern. Um, also, it has to be mentioned that Nagelsmann changed the type of football at Leipzig. Uh, he was hired by Rangnick for the same reasons I mentioned before. Leipzig wanted to come out of their own box because uh, they realized uh, that they are very good at, at counterattacks, but not so good at structured possession. So, yeah, that's why Nagelsmann came. He changed that in a brilliant way, I think. He also did uh, that at Hoffenheim before. And that's why I, uh, why I think that his uh, tactical approach is fitting well at Bayern. So let's talk about that first season under Nagelsmann. So a first place finish in the Bundesliga, but there were disappointing early exits from the Pokal and a quarterfinal exit in the Champions League against Villarreal. Looking back, what did you make of that season as a whole? It was for sure disappointing, especially if we look at the promising start of the season where Nagelsmann implemented a new way uh, of attacking very fast, um, but then he faced many problems. Not every problem of it uh, was his fault, um, and it is important to, to point that out. But in the end, especially the, the last months of the seasons, were not good enough. That is clear. Um, Bayern was out of form in, in the deciding weeks, and that's why they lost uh, to Villarreal. You can lose in the, in the cup to, to smaller teams. It happens. Uh, that's just football. I don't think that Bayern was very bad against Kiel. At a normal day, it would have been enough to, to beat them, but it was not a normal day. And sometimes you're a bit uh, unlucky. It happens. Um, but in combination with the bad performance against uh, Villarreal and the last months in general, it was a disappointing uh, season for Bayern, I think. So tactically in that first season, we saw Julian Nagelsmann doing the sorts of things we expected him to do insofar as we had seen him move to a more positional approach when he was at RB Leipzig. So there was elements of positional play. There was attempts to dominate possession and manipulate space. And then there was also elements of counter-pressing to regain possession. So all of the things that you expect an elite manager to do at the highest level of the game at the moment. So what stood out for you in particular about the tactics of that first season? Yeah, um, as I said, uh, the start was very good. Um, Bayern attacked more through the middle and the counter-pressing worked very well in that period. He used an interesting 2-3-5 uh, structure uh, with at least one fullback uh, coming into the midfield and the, the five players uh, in the front were very, very flexible. The dynamic of this uh, tactical approach was interesting to watch. Uh, one of Nagelsmann's principles is as wide as necessary, but not as wide as possible. And uh, that is quite uh, a change in comparison to the recent years where Bayern uh, yeah, was, was acting very wide with, with Robben and Ribéry for sure um, as, as best examples. Um, yeah. Also, it was fun to see uh, how this uh, sharped uh, the counter-pressing to be with more players in the center. In the good moments, you could see how it worked out and uh, especially in the beginning of the season, as, uh, as I said. But after they lost with five goals against Gladbach, um, Nagelsmann changed some things. Um, he implemented the back three for example, uh, to have more control in the build-up. On top, I think the positional play was a bit wider after that. Nagelsmann was searching a bit uh, for some good roles, I, I think, for the for the key players, for example, Alfonso Davies um, or uh, Leroy Zane, for example. Also, he had to deal with some injuries and the whole story around Joshua Kimmich, who was against vaccination at first and missed some matches because of that. Bayern lost rhythm um, and they couldn't regain that after the winter break. Again, they had to deal with many problems. Not, not all of them are Nagelsmann's fault, like Goretzka and Davies missing and a COVID 
wave uh, hitting the squad in, in January. I think if you want to blame Nagelsmann's uh, approach for that, uh, you could say that he tried too many things. So nearly every week he changed the formation or some uh, tactical details. It was hard for the squad uh, to get rhythm. But all in all, um, he had to change something uh, to bring the squad back uh, in form. Also, uh, the rotation was not easy for him because yeah, the squad had not as many options as he has wished for. Um, for example, Davies, if he wasn't available, no one else could play his role. So uh, Nagelsmann had to change the structure uh, to react to that. So maybe I would say that his first season was anywhere between unlucky and his own mistakes. It's interesting hearing you talking about Nagelsmann changing up the system there because in preparing for this podcast, I rewatched the Villarreal games and and very much in those games, you see a very classical positional play stuff. So you can see Bayern playing in a 2-3-5 structure, using width as much as possible to stretch the back line and then create weaknesses within the back line to be able to exploit as well. So I'm interested the extent to which you think the disappointment of the season will have been blamed on that particularly positional play style by Nagelsmann. Yeah, for sure. It, it could be in the back of his mind. Also, I think uh, he was very self-critical uh, in the summer. He, he said by himself that he changed too much within the season. So that's what I said uh, about the rhythm. Um, it's hard for a team to get rhythm if things uh, don't work very well and you can't uh, play yeah, in, in one or two systems, but you play in three or four. And um, yeah, if things aren't working very well, it's a problem. And I think Nagelsmann realized that. And yeah, this season he's changing a bit less, but uh, we have to we have to see how it works um, in the future. And um, if he if he's changing more, then. But all in all, um, I think he is a very, very um, self-reflected guy who, who is able to see his mistakes and, and to learn out of that. And that's why he is um, for sure a, a special coach. And obviously the elephant in the room here is Robert Lewandowski, who is the key player for Bayern that season. Lewandowski moves on at the end of the season. But I suppose the big question is at this point, like what impact do you think that Lewandowski had on performances in that first season of Nagelsmann at Bayern? Yeah, a big impact because um, he scored he scored the goals. Um, but also, if we if we talk about uh, the circulation of the ball, uh, Lewandowski had physical and technical abilities uh, that allowed him to hold the ball even under pressure. So uh, that gave Bayern time to move up. Um, also, it made room for the fast players uh, to go deep. Many things uh, focused on on Lewandowski, and that's why Bayern has some problems now to adapt, um, even if they still uh, have great quality in the squad. Yeah, Lewandowski was was one of the main players in the whole club. We will talk about this a little bit more as the podcast goes on, but I think the big question here is whether or not Bayern are better off without Robert Lewandowski. Now, we need to caveat this question by saying Robert Lewandowski is one of the best centre-forwards in the world and has been up there amongst the best for around a decade. Every team that had Robert Lewandowski would be made worse by not having him in the future. But there is a system question here as well, which is that there are certain aspects of Robert Lewandowski's play, which mean that he is quite a one-dimensional player positionally, I think. So bringing in someone like Sadio Mane, who is going to be a little bit more flexible, I think will change things. So just at this point in the podcast, do you think that Bayern have improved in any areas without Lewandowski? It's hard to say uh, because um, 
On the one hand, the results are, are not good enough, but on the other hand, some things uh, work very well. So I think uh, they are more dynamical. It's hard to um, say for an opponent um, who will be the player uh, who comes in into a shot position. So um, it's hard to defend. They are very fast in attack. They are switching positions a little bit more uh, than last season uh, with Lewandowski. And they, they play through um, much more spaces um, than, than in recent years. Uh, because uh, with Lewandowski, it's a little bit clear. Um, the ball will come to him. Maybe they don't know when and how. But it's it's fact that, that he will be the player um, who comes into the shot position. And that's gone now. Uh, on on the one hand, maybe Bayern is missing some goals of him. But f yeah, for sure, they, they are missing some goals of him. Um, but on the other hand, it's a big chance to be a bit more uh, unpredictable. So I wouldn't say now that they are better. But I would say that they could be better without him in, in the future. So let's move on to the present season then. So Lewandowski's gone, Sadio Mane is brought in, and surprisingly enough, we see a completely different tactical approach. So we start seeing Bayern going through the middle a lot more. We start seeing elements of that Red Bull football that we've talked about already. When did you notice that things were different on the field? Yeah, um, I think it, it was already clear before the first match. Um, already in preseason, you could see uh, that Bayern is going to change their style. Um, you can't substitute Lewandowski with only one player. So, um, yeah, And you also can't do it with, with Mane. Um, they are completely different players. And even if Mane played as a striker for Liverpool sometimes, it is another situation at Munich. But it hasn't to be a big problem if we look up into the future, as I said. At the moment, it is a process and uh, you can see that not everything is working very well, but you can also see that the dynamic and the movement up front uh, can be a new way for Bayern to be successful. And Nagelsmann has his ideas and I really think uh, that they can work out. One of the interesting things about Bayern this season is that if you look at the underlying numbers from this season compared to the last season, the underlying numbers are actually better this season than they were last season. Obviously, there's a small sample size element here. And that needs to be taken into account. But what I am interested in is, from your point of view as a fan, do you think it's the results that are making people think Bayern are worse than they are? Or do you think there's something more going on there? For sure. The performances are not that bad as the results could imagine. There are some problems. You talked about uh, the XG. Um, yes, it's true. They have more X XG. But also, I think they have not the best uh, shot positions. So they are creating like uh, 22 or 23 shots in the Bundesliga. Um, but yeah... Um, they lack quality sometimes. So they take many shots out of the box. They try it with positions that are not so so good uh, to, to score a goal. And they have to find more comfortable positions, I think, to score a little bit more. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you look into to the numbers, many things uh, improved. That's true. And as I said, it's a process without Robert Lewandowski and they have to find solutions to be a bit better in, in the box. But I'm optimistic uh, that they will find it. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's talk about the differences this season from a tactical point of view. So how would you describe Bayern's tactical approach this season? Yeah, uh, as I said, Lewandowski was important to hold the ball and to give players time to move up. Bayern is missing this quality now. Also, it is obviously that they miss his goal-scoring abilities. And Nagelsmann is trying to compensate that uh, with two dynamic players uh, up front in the last line. More opposing movements, more deep runs, uh, more positional changes, as I mentioned, to get behind the defensive line uh, of the of the opponents. At first, you would think that Bayern is trying to play faster, um, but it's only the half-truth. For sure, they try to be fast in the attacking third, um, but in my opinion, they try to be a bit more calm in the in the build-up. Let's look at some numbers from FBREF and, and Statsbomb. Um, they have around 68% possession in the league, uh, which is like 3 or 4% more in comparison um, to the last years. But still, they play only uh, 671 passes per match, uh, which is around 30 or 50 passes less than before. Uh, they also have fewer touches, uh, 7 191 compared uh, to 820 in the season before. So I think they they are a bit more calm, but uh, they still manage, as we said, uh, to, to have around three shots uh, more per game. And they also have some more touches uh, in the attacking third and also in the opponent's box. So this is very good and that's very interesting. And it also fits my eye test, uh, to be honest. I think uh, Bayern is a bit more calm with the ball, um, but without being too slow. Uh, in recent years, they sometimes played a bit too directly and a bit too fast, which resulted in some unnecessary losses uh, of possession and counterattacks by the opponents. Now they are searching for more balance, I think, to, to stabilize uh, the defense. One point I'm not really sure about at the principle I also mentioned, uh, as wide as necessarily, uh, but not as wide as possible. Sometimes I think it would be good if Bayern uh, had more options uh, to, to switch to the wings. Um, Alfonso Davis, for example, is, is very good if he can make his runs on the left wing with much ba uh, space. Um, you can bring him in that situations with a switch of play, for example. Uh, but in some situations, um, he's just not there because he, he has to cover um, a space in the middle of the pitch. I understand why he is doing that. Bayern's counter-pressing is much more efficient if they are compact with the ball. Um, but as I said, sometimes it would be better um, if they could switch uh, to the other side with, with more speed. And as a fan, how do you feel about this new approach? Yeah, I think it's it's good that Nagelsmann is trying to find more balance uh, between attack and defense. Um, it was necessary to to stabilize the team against counterattacks. In recent years, they, they had Lewandowski who just scored the goals when they conceded two or three. Uh, now it is harder for them to, to get back uh, if the plan is not working uh, out as expected. That's why they need more patience. The numbers also outline that Bayern is conceding less dangerous counterattacks this year and uh, less dangerous shots from opponents. Um, it's an interesting development. At the same time, there are some issues. Um, they still have some turnovers that are not explainable, sometimes even without pressure from the opponent. That's not good. Uh, also, the decision-making in, in offense is not always uh, on point by, by the players. Let's talk about uh, shot positions, for example. As I said before, they have more shots 
but they also have more bad shot positions. Um, some numbers uh, about that with uh, 0.11 expected goals uh, per shot, they lose 0.02 expected goals per shot, which doesn't sound like a big deal. But let me try to, to explain it from another point of view. The average distance uh, of a shot grew from 15.9 yards to 16.9 yards. Um, that is underlying what I said before. Um, Bayern is taking more shots that are not so close uh, to the goal. Um, they still have nearly the same amount uh, of, of expected goals per game, uh, which is good considering that uh, they lost uh, their best striker. But if you reach that number with more bad shots, then you probably have a higher risk uh, that you can't score enough in some games, not in every game, uh, but for sure in, in some games as we saw in the last weeks. So Sadio Mane, as we've already said, he replaces Robert Lewandowski. You've already mentioned flexibility. So recently in Bayern's games, we've seen Mane actually playing out on the left-hand side, which is something that you couldn't do with Lewandowski, obviously. But you have that ability then to play him as a nine as well, if you want. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on on that aspect of, of Mane's game. Like, how important do you think his flexibility is to Julian Nagelsmann? Yeah, I, I think he, he needs some time. Um, he needs some time to, to fit his best way in, into the squad. That's why Nagelsmann changed his position a little bit. In the first matches, Mane played with, with Serge Gnabry up front in a, in a dynamic double attack. Now he's, he's back at the left wing. So Nagelsmann's wing is, is not the same like, like wings uh, at other teams. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's more on the left side to be a bit more in his uh, comfort zone, I think, to, to get his form. But he's a really great player because his decision making is, is outstanding. So um, he rarely makes uh, mistakes. Um, he rarely plays a fault or makes makes a fault decision. So um, this, is an, this is an outstanding quality. Um, also, he's very good when it comes uh, to scoring goals. Um, he's not as good as Robert Lewandowski, but I think you couldn't expect that. Um, if you look at his seasons at, at Liverpool, then he always scored like 20, 25, maybe 30 goals if he had a good year. Lewandowski is like 40 or 50, so you can't replace him with one player. Uh, I think it's about the whole team and Robert Lewandowski If you miss a player of, of this quality, you can't substitute him just with one player, even if, if Mane is really good. But he has other, other abilities and uh, uh, another style of play. Um, I mentioned some problems, but it is also just fair to say that even world-class players have to find themselves in a new system and uh, in a new style of attacking. So I think it will take some time uh, till all the changes and uh, all the movements in general will work out. And, uh, and it is also uh, just fair to, to give Nagelsmann and his players that time. We need to talk about Jamal Muziala, who has been absolutely fantastic this season. I wonder whether or not you think that with Muziala being better this season than he was last season in terms of his output, according to the numbers, whether or not that has made the gap to losing Robert Lewandowski smaller than it might have been otherwise. Amazing. So um, he's just 19 and uh, already one of the best players, if not the best player in tight spaces. So it's amazing to see uh, how he can react in... in yeah, not even in a second. Uh, so just smaller like that. It's 
incredible how he reacts to pressure, how he is uh, dribbling. So, um, yeah, he's a great player and I think he will be or, or he will make uh, many matches for Bayern this season also uh, for the national team um, at the World Cup, for example, in a big role. And he's, he's also very good at scoring goals, but he also plays assists and key passes and it's amazing to watch him. Um, I'm I'm really curious to see how he develops in, in the next one or two years. I really think he can be top, top, top level. So um, he can be one of the five, uh, six, seven best players uh, in the world in, in the future. And another interesting player I think to talk about is Marcel Sabitzer. Obviously Marcel Sabitzer is a player who's come through the Red Bull school and has been playing in the double pivot ahead of Leon Goretzka recently. And I think Goretzka has been coming back from injury, but it does seem as though Sabitzer has been making that double pivot position his own. And I wondered whether or not you think that that's important in any way, given that he has that Red Bull background. Yeah, uh, for sure it was. A little bit luck was in there too for, for Zabitza with Goretzka um, missing many matches in the beginning of the season. But it worked out very well. So uh, Zabitza was a great counterpart for Joshua Kimmich because uh, he played a little bit deeper. Um, he played uh, a little bit more defensive. I think also Manuel Neuer mentioned that after the match against Inter or before of that that Zabitza is doing a great job uh, in the defense. So, yeah, he, he gives uh, some stability to the team. As I mentioned before, in the last years, Bayern conceded way too much goals. And it wasn't only the reason that Kimmich and Goretzka are not so good at defending. That's not the case. But sometimes this room in the midfield, uh, the spaces are too open with, with them both being very curious to, to get into uh, offensive actions. And uh, Zabitza was a bit more calm, uh, was a bit more... Yeah, he, he stuck a little bit more to, to this position and um, that gave some more um, stability. So, yeah, I think um, in the future, Goretzka and Kimmich will be the double pivot again. But uh, Zabitzer has a good call now to, to be in there. At the time of recording, we've just had a recent run of games that were quite poor for Bayern. So there was three draws and a loss. That was followed by a 4-0 win versus Leverkusen, which might suggest that things are now on the mend. I'm interested in whether or not you think that Nagelsmann is going to stick this new approach out, whether or not you think that it will change again like it did last season. Yeah, he, he has to separate the results from the development in general, um, even if it's hard, uh, very hard to do so at Bayern, where the pressure is very high. That's for sure the biggest difference between now and, and his time at Leipzig or, or Hoffenheim. But uh, last season, he was a bit too impatient, as I mentioned, and uh, tried to change things too fast. I think it will be very important uh, to trust the process. And even if they suffer uh, some more bad results in the near future, he has to stick to what he believes is the best way. And if I see how things worked out in the first matches um, of the season and also against Gladbach or Union, that were great performances even if they played 1-1 then I believe uh, that he can be successful but time and patience will be uh, one of many keys Now obviously in the English media looking at the Bundesliga from a distance the big questions that people are asking is whether or not Bayern will continue with Nagelsmann whether or not there'll be any question of whether or not he might be moved on so do you think the people in charge at the club will stick with Nagelsmann and, and accept that there are going to be teething issues to this new approach? 
Yeah, that's that's a way bigger question. Um, at the moment, uh, I can't imagine them to sack Nagelsmann in the next days or weeks, even if he, for example, loses in, in Dortmund at the weekend. But it's still Bayern Munich and it's still one of the biggest clubs. Uh, time and patience are always uh, rare at those clubs. Uh, for now, I, I feel that the club is very confident uh, that Nagelsmann is the right guy, but they can't afford much, much more bad results. Some maybe, maybe they can, but uh, much more bad results uh, wouldn't be be that good for Bayern. In history, Bayern got always impatient with the coach uh, if at least one of two things happened. The first one is obviously uh, the view on the on the targets uh, they set for, for um, a season. Uh, if you are six or more points behind Dortmund, it could be very tough uh, for you as a coach uh, to stay in charge. Um, the second one is the relationship with the players. Ancelotti and Kovac both lost the dressing room. I don't see that coming at the moment at, at Bayern, but if the results are not good, it can happen uh, very fast. Um, but at the moment, Bayern doesn't look like a team that has no trust in, into the process and into the coach. I think we need to talk about the Champions League because it feels to me like the Champions League plays a big part in the origin story of the new Bayern Munich under Julian Nagelsmann. I've already talked about that Villarreal game where it felt as though the positional approach didn't really work for Nagelsmann. And I wondered whether or not you think the Champions League performance last season prompted this change. I think that bad results in the Champions League always have an impact at Bayern Munich. Um, as I explained with, with Kovac before, yeah, he won the, the two titles, uh, but Liverpool showed that Bayern is, is not good enough. Uh, so they got Flick as an assistant coach. This year it was a bit different after the bad performance against Villarreal. Um, they realized that the squad depth is, is not that good and is not good enough maybe. Uh, so they invested a lot of money into new players, uh, into restructuring the squad um, but I don't think that the Champions League had a big influence uh, on the tactical approach there I would point out two things uh, even more at first the season as a whole and also the, the years before uh, which showed that the defense is not good enough so there had to be changed some things um, that maybe resulted in a, in a more balanced style of play uh, in this season and the second thing is obviously uh, the transfer of Lewandowski Bayern had to adapt and uh, had to change things as we pointed out before so cards on the table do you think this new approach that Nagelsmann has adopted makes Bayern more competitive in the Champions League Yeah, we have to be um, a bit honest uh, that the Barca match was a bit lucky for Bayern. So in the first half, uh, Barca could easily score two or three goals. Um, Lewandowski didn't score them, luckily for Bayern. I really can't predict that at the moment, to be to be honest. Um, all I can say is that uh, I I think that I that it could make them could make them better and could make them more more competitive um, if everything is working out. But at the same time, uh, they lost their best offensive player. And, and many things uh, depend on how fast um, they can adapt to the changes we mentioned before. Also, Bayern were very competitive in the last years, to be fair. So um, uh, last season, it wasn't just about some uh, tactical problems. It also was about players coming from injuries and, and a bad rhythm um, at all. Um, Bayern is always one one of the teams uh, that can win the Champions League and, and they are also this season. So um, if things work out for Nagelsmann and the team and if players are fit in, in the uh, deciding months, um, I think Bayern will, will have a good chance uh, to win that cup. I'm interested to hear actually whether or not you think the fan response would be bad if Bayern won the Champions League but didn't win the Bundesliga. 
from a point of view um, of the fans, um, I think it would be satisfying to win the Champions League. They they wouldn't mind if, if um, one year uh, the Bundesliga is missing. I don't think if, if or I don't know if, if uh, Oliver Kahn and uh, Saliamicic and, and the other Bayern uh, bosses uh, would agree to that. They want to win the Bundesliga at first. Even if they are the dominating team, um, they always um, they always say that this has the highest priority. But fans want to win the Champions League. Um, I think that's where where the fans aim at. So, a couple of final questions about the future. Then, so firstly, how do you think the rest of the season plays out for Bayern from here? Also very hard to predict, um, but I'll give it a try. Um, at the moment, I, I don't think that uh, the so-called crisis uh, is a real one. It is just a normal process after after losing an important player. And I think uh, that Bayern and Nagelsmann will find ways to, to improve the points that we mentioned before. They will win the Bundesliga, which is sadly uh, no big deal if Dortmund and Leipzig are not able to improve in a surprisingly good way. And I also think that they are very motivated to, to rehabilitate in both cup competitions. Um, I go uh, for Bayern winning both national titles um, and, and coming at least into the semifinals in, in the Champions League. And I think um, that would then be a pretty uh, good season for them. And a final question about Julian Nagelsmann's future. What do you think his future at Bayern is? Do you see him being at the club for a number of years now? Um, I could imagine it very well because, uh, as I said before, he's a very uh, reflected guy. So um, he's adapting to failures. He is young, yes, um, but he's also very experienced. Um, some people forget that. Um, I read very often in, in, in the last uh, weeks um, that he's unexperienced and a young coach. Yeah, but he's a, he's a coach like, I don't know, 2008, 2009. Um, he also coached uh, Hoffenheim and Leipzig in a very good way before. Um, it's true that it is a difference to Bayern, uh, to, to an absolutely top club. And he has to, to learn some things, but it has nothing to do with, with his um, age. So uh, Carlo Ancelotti um, is much older, but he's learning too, because we, we all learn uh, our whole life. And I think Nagelsmann is very good at that. He's adapting very fast um, to, to failures. And that's why I can imagine that he will be uh, very successful at Bayern. He has a squad, he has uh, good ideas. I hope for him that he will uh, stuck to, to his ideas and uh, that he won't change uh, too much because um, yeah, he's, he's doing some good things and I'm optimistic that, that he will change Bayern and uh, that he will be successful. Well, Justin, thank you so much for coming on today. I could have talked about Bayern for much longer, but I really appreciate your time and your expertise on this subject. So what's the best way for our listeners to catch what you're putting out contents-wise? Yeah, you, you can catch me on Twitter, I think. That's where I'm very, very active. So um, at uh, Justin Kraft. Uh, and yeah, what is this one uh, in Germany? We call it Unterstrich. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, we say underscore, underscore. Ah, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that's Justin Kraft underscore. And that's Kraft with a K. Yes. Justin, thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for invitation. Mm -hmm.